0: I decided to interview Forbes 30 Under 30 Women um, and this fell during quarantine. So I reached out to them and received an overwhelming amount of responses that were wanting to be part of the book. And from there, the rest is history. I spent a couple of months interviewing them, a couple of months writing the book. And then within exactly a year, it was was published, um, made it onto Amazon is now in bookstores and has just been a phenomenal experience.
1: That's Barbara Euripides on her book, Brains, Beauty, Boss. And this is Phoebe Drummond with Webcast. I am here with Barbara Euripides. She graduated from Duke University in 2021 and is now a first year sales and trading analyst at Citibank. She is also the published author of Brains Beauty boss the ultimate guide for women in the workplace where she interviewed women on the forbes 30 under 30 list from 2015 to 2020 so hopefully my interviewing skills can be up to par she's here to talk about her process and inspiration for writing the book life as a first-year analyst and some of the big themes covered in brain's boss beauty like how do you define success and what are common trends among the most successful women
0: Perfect. Thank you so much, Phoebe, for having me. I'm so excited to share a little bit about my book and my journey and just in general, um, my inspiration behind writing the book.
1: Yeah, because let's start definitely there because Barbara and I were talking a little bit before I pressed record and I was saying to her and she was saying to me, like, we kind of mirror each other with the podcast and the book and what the goal of them are. And I always talk about the goal for the podcast when I started was when everything was shut down and I knew we couldn't have guests on campus, I still wanted to get away for women who I thought were super cool to share what they did and how they got there with students and other girls. So is that where your inspiration for the book came from? Walk me through that whole situation.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, I love your podcast. It's amazing. And I love hearing the different stories of successful women. It just brings so much joy to hear. Just like, Networks building and women meeting other women and connecting. um, And it follows the exact same theme about why I decided to write my book. So, just to give some background, um, when I was in high school, middle school, high school, every single week, I love going on cosmopolitan.com. And there's this series called the get that life series. And basically, um, it highlighted a new story of a successful woman every single week. And, um, one of them was actually Amy O'Dell, um, the editor of cosmopolitan.com who I actually ended up interviewing for my book down the road. So it all kind of came full circle. Um, since then I kind of have always been passionate about hearing about different pathways to success that, um, women take in their lives and just different pathways in general that women experience. And, um, actually following my junior year abroad, I got a a LinkedIn message from professor Eric from Georgetown university. And he messaged me and he said, hi, I'm trying to publish, um, 10,000 authors in 10 years and would love for you to be a part of this program. So I messaged him back. I wasn't really sure about what this program was and Mm -hmm. um, anything about it. So we had a phone conversation and I told him I didn't really have a ton of experience in writing, but I wanted to hear about his program. I was super interested and basically it gave um, young authors like me, I was 20 years old at the time, a platform to have a publisher, have a publishing company, have an editor, have a copywriter, and go through the whole publishing process in a year. And um, when I heard this, and also had this background of wanting to interview women, wanting to share stories of successful women, but then also talking a lot about my own life and my own experiences as a woman in college, who felt like there was a ton of different mm-hmm. pathways I was exposed to in college at Duke and just different pathways that I was interested in learning about and just in general, what makes someone successful um, in the qualities of a leader. So with all of that in mind, um, I decided to interview Forbes 30 Under 30 Women um, and this fell during quarantine. So I reached out to them and received an overwhelming amount of response. great. That were wanting to be part of the book. And from there, the rest is history. I spent a couple of months interviewing them, a couple of months writing the book, and then within exactly a year, it was, it was published, um, made it onto Amazon, is now in bookstores, and has just been a phenomenal experience.
1: I did not know that about the LinkedIn connection. Had, did you ask him how he found you or had you put out an abstract about or written anything about wanting to write a book in general? Right. So
0: I actually asked him and he said that when he's trying to figure out um, who to reach out to for his program, like LinkedIn, he'll just search at people that are in so many different industries, career paths. Um have many different backgrounds. Like, for example, for me, I was a Morning Brew ambassador, so Mm -hmm. I loved the creative spiel behind that. And I loved, like, um, advertising this newsletter to student body at Duke. I was also, um, had, like, was was about, or had just finished an investment banking internship, so I had a background in finance. And then there were several different, like, organizations I was a part of at Duke. So I think that maybe... Like just having a combination of different interests yeah. was something that was um, appealing to him when he was when he was reaching out. But then at the same time, I feel like also um, the, the the amount of of authors that publish under him and have so many different topics and ranges of things that they they publish their books about is just so huge that. And uh, on top of like the reasons that I outlined earlier. I think he could have just said, okay, let's just see if she's interested in it. And even though that was something I had never even once envisioned, I would have been interested in, um, he was able to, to, to get me hooked on the idea of it. And for someone like me that had never even once thought about writing a book, he made it so that this program allowed anyone to be able to share a story, publish a book, um, go through the process so it was just phenomenal seeing him bring so many people together and it was funny because like every once a week like the whole co- cohort of authors would meet together via zoom oh, wow. and we all knew each other I was like in breakout rooms with like 45 year old lawyers but then also like like 30 year old artists and like and were there 10,000 say, of you there is not 10,000 <laughs> I say there is like I would say there's about 500 in my cohort and, but his program builds every single year. It's huge. And every single time he publishes someone new, he gets obviously like through, after I was published, I told all of my friends at Duke and all of my friends that I worked with like over the summer about it. And now one of them is actually going through the program themselves. So I think what he's like doing is he's streamlining the publishing process so that anyone has the opportunity to share a story and go through this process because I feel like it can be daunting if you want to write a book and you don't know where to start and you want to find a publisher, you want to find an editor, you want to copyright. Um, So having that, like, not just like a program set up for you, but also like I would go on Zooms with this cohort and we turn our cameras off and just write. And for me, having, knowing that other people were doing the same thing helped motivate me because normally like, it's hard to just sit down and, and, set aside time when like everyone is super busy and say, okay, I'm gonna try to write this book now. Um, but having other people that were also working with you and going through the the kind of like steps with you just made it so much better. So I love the whole process.
1: So I have three three thoughts on everything you just said. The first one, I think that's so amazing because he's really like democratizing who gets and like you were saying to share their story and have their voice heard because I and I've I've definitely said some podcasts before like I think something that I am like passionate about but don't really know like how to fit it into what I'm doing right now is advertising and media representation because it's as simple as seeing someone who looks like you or you can identify with or empathize with in any way doing something that you want to do like it just opens up this idea that it's possible so I that's so amazing I mean maybe I'll maybe I'll reach out give me his, his email because I always say, I like, say
0: you'd be a great candidate for the yeah, podcast, yeah so. I would really love to oh and you're sending a great president because with your podcast you've had exposure to so many different people and you've built on so many different like media skills so like you you'd do amazing at the program. So I'll always plug it and and get you
1: involved. Yeah. So the second thing I was going to say too is, do you ever think about what if you never got that message? Have you ever thought about that?
0: Oh, I think about it all the time. And for me, it was it came at a perfect time in my life because I was kind of at the point where my junior year of college was about to end. I had just gone abroad it really it was right before covid and even before covid i was just kind of i was just kind of thinking i i'm so excited about like what the future holds and i'm so excited to start, start a job in finance post graduation mm-hmm. um and all that but i feel like that's two years away i yeah. feel like there's something that i like another project, aside from being in class, aside from having my extracurriculars at school, I just felt like there was something missing. And I felt like there was some kind of opportunity that I should begin or like that I should kind of embark on. And when he messaged me, it just kind of came at this perfect time where like, I wasn't studying abroad. I wasn't out of the country. I was back home. And then even before, like I officially committed to the program, I was unsure if I would have the time, but Mm -hmm. then when the pandemic hit, it was almost a sign that it was the perfect time to start that kind of project because my summer internship got pushed back. I was also um, like so many of the women I spoke to and interviewed started the the podcast or started the calls off I had with them. And they were saying, wow, like it was great having you reach out to me because amidst all this like pain and anxiety that's stemming from the pandemic, seeing that, there are people that want to like connect with other women and share stories of female empowerment and do something for the greater good is just so great at this time of so much sadness. And you're seeing the news and you're seeing like the lockdowns impact on people. So having this experience during a lockdown meant even more to me because mm-hmm. then I had the opportunity to network with people in ways that I would would not have had to network before just because everyone was so just anxious, of course, because of the pandemic and having opportunity to speak to so many people and like have the opportunity for them to brighten my day, for me to brighten their day and kind of unite together for a common good just was so powerful during during that time. Um, So that was like a pro to it. And also at the same time. Like, I never, I feel like something that I've always thought to my, I, I thought to myself was, oh, I would, I would never have the time to publish this book. Mm-hmm. That's only something I could probably do post-graduation. And when I thought back, I was so happy that I did it while in college. Well, which some people would consider crazy. They're like, why would you do that while you're still at school? Like you have one thing going on at a time, like just deal with that. But if you think about it, you're always going to make an excuse for why sometime is not the right time. Yeah. I I just, love
1: that.
0: like completely out of the blue. Like, like to give you some background, I was a horrible writer. I thought I was a horrible writer. My, my entire high school career, I thought I was a horrible writer, like going into Duke. I literally I was like, okay, I need, I need to pick the easiest writing one one because this is going to be my worst class ever. And quite honestly, I just like never thought that I was even good at writing. And then just like embarking on this opportunity just kind of prove to myself, not only in the writing space, but these misconceptions that sometimes people hold about themselves, like particularly women, like they, they'll they make themselves think, oh, I'm not good at this. Like, oh, like this is not something that I should like pursue or not be, not be interested in. And then you see like, you're down the road. You're like, why did I ever think that? Why did yeah. I ever have that self-doubt? Because like, I truly can do this. Or like, I, have I, I am someone that can write a book if I want to, like, you just put your mind to it and it's just crazy how, how your mind ha- mindset and mentality can shift. Um, so that was just like a great realization I had um, just going out of the process for sure.
1: And that was probably something that was so great of what you're talking about with the, like, when you would all write together and I'm sure you said you would turn your cameras off, but seeing that every single person in your breakout room was completely different and like no two people in that room were writing about the same thing like right. we're gonna return to the same activities after you're done writing like do de- just totally debunks that any one person is any one thing
0: no exactly and another thing too is like I it was like people like topics that I didn't even think I was ever remotely interested in you would go around a circle and everyone would talk about like oh like what what am I writing about? like what are you guys writing about? What are you talking about? And I, I spoke to like a war veteran one time and wow. he was his stories and then I also spoke to like a woman that was writing a fiction novel about um, just like a boat journey. And I was like, wow, like everyone just has so much creative potential and just like so many so much intelligence and drive. It's just phenomenal being surrounded by that kind of network.
1: And that's what I wrote down when you were talking about before, like I wrote down the word leisure because in my philosophy class last year, we read a book, I don't know the exact title, but it was it was essentially like about leisure and how like true leisure, like isn't sitting around on the couch and like, vegging out and, like, having a snack and, like, binging squid games like I did last weekend. Oh, my God. Like, like leisure has, like, intellectual value to it. And I really think that's important that you were saying, like, people thought I was crazy doing this while I was in school, like, something else hard and time intensive. But school isn't leisurely because there's some sort of pressure into it. And yes, there was with the book too, but having an outlet that you could put creative and like positive energy into was probably like helpful to your schoolwork.
0: Oh, 100%. And like building off on that. Well, first of all, I'm only on episode episode five of Squid Game. So I still need to
1: finish it, but. Oh, no but, spoilers, no spoilers.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but going off on that, you're completely right because like I had mentioned earlier, I didn't think I liked writing. I felt like it was something like something that I even talked about in the very first chapter of my book is that like in school, we're taught to color within the lines. We are taught from a certain list of subject areas. It's almost like the education system like makes it hard to enjoy learning because there are so many constraints on what we have to learn, a regimented schedule, so many different guidelines of what we should do, what we need to follow and that's part of like one of the detrimental aspects of the education system in my opinion but then at the same time when I was doing this activity for fun and having this book that I was working on like I compared um leadership of like this the percentage of female representation of female CEOs to the bachelorette on the very first Mm -hmm. night of 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 the show and I was able to make these like unique connections and then like Another thing too, I, um, I created these archetypes of women that from the first, like, so my book talks a lot about imposter syndrome and like how women can overcome imposter syndrome through incorporating different interviews with the Forbes 30 under 30 women. So I, ha- I outlined these five fictional women at the very start of my mm-hmm. book. And then by the end of the book, I kind of explained ways that they could have overcome imposter syndrome. And I almost made these personas based on people that i was exposed to in college and like just like fictional people that i felt like encompassed the tr- like the classic
1: 21 year old wow. like woman or and that's great because yeah. imposter syndrome and like i talked about this on a former episode like this like the first episode of this season we talked a lot about imposter syndrome it's just such a broad thing you don't even know where to start you don't know where you fit into it or if you're being affected by it and i thought you having those five characters and then fitting each or assigning each woman that you interviewed into like some way that could fit. No, and it, it's it's so powerful too, because
0: then you see how a lot of imposter syndrome also stems from how women are just raised through like the education system and how they go through life. Like for example, people called me Bossy a lot in middle school. People called me an overachiever in high school. And like people would say a lot of times like, oh, you're such a try hard." Like, oh, yep. you're, you're such an overachiever.
1: Because hardo hard-o in college. I was like, you're a hard-o. Yeah, you're
0: a hard-o. Like, because you, you want to work in finance or like you work really hard to like do well in school. And you think to yourself, you're like, since when has it been bad to I know. work super hard? Or since when has it been bad to be an overachiever? And another thing too, like this is also mentioned in Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Oh. It's- it's almost like women who sh- state their opinions or who assert themselves are considered bossy or women who like are very confident in their beliefs and convey that without being super, like, I don't know, like friendly and bubbly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like, oh no, she's super bossy. And in the same goes with the whole like overachiever thing. Like, oh, she's an overachiever or, or she's a try hard. But when you think about it, you're like, yeah, you know what? I am. a tr- If that's what a tryhard is, like, I am a tryhard. Yeah. And going through school, I was almost like, I felt bad, like when mm-hmm. people would, would, would use those stereotypes at first. But now, then, like, I kind of went through and realized that a lot of a lot of the times when people are stereotyping people as like overachievers, or it it stems from their own insecurity. Yeah. Right? Yep. stems From their own beliefs that that you are doing something incredible and that you are doing something that's helping you advance. So I don't know. I feel like a lot of, a lot of what I talk about in the book that, and I going back to the archetypes, it's discussing how a lot of like the facets of imposter syndrome stem from like gender norms and like how women have, like been raised in society and just go about their lives in the workplace so that was just another
1: common theme that, yeah, that. Yeah. but let's come back to that too let's finish talking about the book right oh, so 100%. yeah um and so you had mentioned that it was not as intimidating as you you had thought or that you got overwhelming response from these women. Can you just talk about some of the people who you spoke to that really stood out, some of like the connections that you made, some of the stories that you share in your book?
0: Oh, a hundred percent. So I think I mentioned this earlier, but um, Amy O'Dell was one of the first people I interviewed and she was actually one of the women that I used to look up to as I read the, like, Get That Life series. And I, like, when I was, like, I think I was, like, 16 and I was reading about her story becoming the editor of Cosmopolitan.com. And something that, like, really stood out to me about her story was that she was so vulnerable and transparent with how Mm. hard it was breaking into the fashion industry. She was talking about how she had just graduated from college and she was like now reporting stories and had to prove herself in this completely new like industry that was extremely cutthroat. Um, she even went in depth, like talking about her interview with Anna Wintour, the CEO of, or of Vogue. And you sit back and think and you're like, these women that are so incredibly accomplished and successful that I look up to, also are like now talking about all the obstacles that they faced going into their career paths and like issues that they had and they experienced and it almost makes brings it kind of close to home because you're thinking you're like wow these people were like so similar so similar to me like in the past and it kind of makes you feel like oh wow like this gives everyone the kind of like like everyone started at some point and hearing these so many women talk about like where they started and like how they began at a certain point before going into their their whole kind of career path just was phenomenal because it put everything into perspective. So oh, I love
1: that's interesting. The point in time where you talk to them in such a pivotal moment. Exactly. It's such a pivotal moment. And you have to think about it too, like
0: their Forbes 30 under 30, they're not that much older. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, they're like about 10 years older than us. But at the same time, you're like, that's not like such a big time gap that that it makes all of this seem so out of out of the blue and like so far away. And then another story, so I actually interviewed um one of the co-founders of Betches. And I'm sure like you've heard of Betches. It's like hilarious multimedia platform. Um, They talk about politics, life, love, like pop culture, everything in between. But they make it in a way that's so entertaining and appealing to read that it's it's just great. And like, it's just, sometimes you'll get news from there that you would have much rather, like that you'd much rather read from them than from like a source that will just give you the facts. And it also just like opens up Conversations about like women's health, Oprah, uh, women's rights, mm-hmm. like like that, and just build this kind of network. So I spoke with Sammy, one of the co-founders of Betches, and she was just talking a lot about yeah, we we were just confused, like like about our career path. We didn't know what to do. We took this risk of being literal graduating seniors of of Cornell and just built this multimedia platform. So hearing stories of just. Where these women began and how they kind of built on their success and built their career paths was so great because I think hearing them put it in perspective made you realize that every not everyone just kind of like becomes successful overnight or like has these just like weird weird one off like discovery stories like a lot of the women that like Forbes 30 under 30 chose and picked to be on their platform started from somewhere and they worked their way up they had those hard days that we all face where you're concerned about the future or you're not sure like if you're following the right path like is there even a right path that kind mm-hmm. of thing and like you think about it and you're like I'm sure they didn't. like the founders of Betches didn't wake up one morning and say oh like this platform that we're going to work on like this is going to be super successful like this is going to be great it took a lot of time it took building connections it took um just like thinking outside of the box. Um, I also spoke with Caroline Danahy. So she's one of the co-founders of fair Harbor and it's like a swimwear line that uses recycled bottles, um, to like build their swimwear. And it's an amazing concept and it has this like amazing backstory of where they would walk down the the beaches growing up and they would see like the trash Mm -hmm. on the beach and they were like, okay, we want to, we want to do something. We want to solve this. And for her, she was like, okay, she went straight out of college to work on this startup. And when people think about it, a lot of people seek after like security right after college or they they want something that they feel like a lot of people like go into and um, hearing these stories of them deciding to take risks or saying like, you know what? I don't know if I wanna go down like a very traditional route or I don't know if I wanna work at a big company. I think I just wanna start something on my own and just see where it goes hearing that like kind of courage and just like, I don't know, confidence it takes to, that was, that was incredible to hear. And I felt like that was a common theme about amongst every single woman that I interviewed, like whether it was from shifting from investment banking and being the youngest female director at um, BlackRock to then opening up your own venture capital fund that to starting doing a startup straight out of college or Literally just like building a multimedia platform with your friends, like just because you think it would be fun seeing all those different stories and then hearing them build it into success stories kind of showed me that there's no true, like kind of reason to like what it means to be successful. If you have an idea and you're working super hard at it and you look up to mentors, you work hard, you have a goal in mind, you have a mission statement. Not like mission statement exactly, but you have a mission and you understand like the risks that are involved. I think that that's something that all of these women embodied, and it was just honestly passion. Like all of them were so incredibly passionate. On like my phone call, Mm -hmm. I think one phone call lasted with one of the women for like four and a half hours, and it was just and it was on some on a topic that I literally knew nothing about, but by the end of the conversation, I was like, "Wow, like." this woman is so passionate about this. Like, I understand why she's willing to take those risks. And right. sometimes it's hard to find those passions or to figure out like what you want to pursue. But I feel like as you go on and like go through more experiences and even if it means taking a job or like going through one experience that you're like, okay, I like this, but I might've been a bit better fit in a different role. I'm going to something new, that kind of thing that they were talking about with me taking those risks and having those realizations just helped all of them excel. So that was, those were some common themes and um, stories that I heard. So.
1: Yeah. Because I was going to say like a word that came up a lot in the book and something that I like definitely noted was like just the idea of unconventionality and like a quote that you wrote, I have written down said the behavior we teach is compliance, the opposite of thinking and acting for yourself. And I, I totally loved that. And it's like thinking about unconventionality and sort of connecting back to what you were talking about, where we're taught to color inside the lines, and like this article that I had read long, like I think freshman year, talked about when you're you have freedom of choice online. Um, from a drop-down menu, you're choosing, but the options are pre predetermined for you, right, and a right. lot of times that can translate into recruiting, and especially in finance, in banking, and in, in accounting and business in general, it's one of the most conventional recruiting processes and early recruiting processes there is. It's very straight line for the most part. And that, that, and I did that process. I'm you did that process as well, but for people who like don't feel ready to do that and don't know exactly what they want to do, there's almost like this stigma that just needs to completely be debunked. And I think your book does a great job of that.
0: Oh, thank you so much. No, I completely agree with that. Um, And like having gone to school uh, where a lot of people go into the financial services industry or go into consulting, go into engineering. Um, it feels like where we almost get to college and then immediately, like it's amazing. Cause you have, you're exposed to so many different networks of successful people and you have so many opportunities to meet people and to network. And then at the same time, sometimes it's hard cause you want to take a step back and, and mm. think to yourself, what do I want to do? Like what, which, where am I going with this? That kind of thing. Um, so I totally agree from that standpoint. And I think that that also ties into like the whole theme of unconventionality in my book, because if you, if you looked at like the individual stories, none of them said, okay, I was set up, I was set on this career path since I was a freshman in college, or I wanted to do this from the day I was born. It was almost in every situation of the woman I interviewed, just common trends, they grew those passions over time, or they realized, okay, I really like um, helping people in um, third world countries have greater access to clean water. And from there, they're like, okay, and I also like engineering. And I also love um, chemicals, or chemical engineering, that kind of thing. And you'll see like, okay, different puzzle pieces come together. And like, build a, build these pathways. And I think with all of them, like a common theme was just like taking a step back and acknowledging that and realizing and thinking to yourself, okay, what what do I want to do? What what are the like what do I enjoy? And it oftentimes is not all in one area. Like for you, Phoebe, like you're super interested in finance, but then you also love podcasts, you love interviewing people, you have like a passion for journalism. And that's the same with me. Like I'm love learning as like working in sales and trading. Mm -hmm. I'm super passionate about like what's going on in the world Mm -hmm. and like going into the job search, going into the job search process. I was like, okay, I love learning about what's going on in the world. I'm a public policy major. So I also love learning about like monetary policy, fiscal policy, how that plays a role in like the day-to-day lives of people. And then on top of that, um, I love meeting new people. I love connecting with people. I love networking. And like, it was hard because I was like, I have all these different passions and I don't know like where they fit. So then like later on in my college experience, um, I continued networking. I continued speaking to people and figuring out where um, my interests lied. And then someone told me, they're like, oh, you should speak to people in sales and trading. You should hear about like their day-to-day lives and kind of learn more about those experiences. So then from there, I was able to, to connect with people that were also public policy majors, but then also liked finance and are also like, oh, I love interacting with clients and meeting people. So you kind of find a way that, okay, like this is a great, this is a great like outlet for like my creativity, for my passion for storytelling and um, like global events, that kind of thing. And I feel like taking a step back and almost just, like looking at your individual interests, even if they don't all necessarily seem to connect at a certain point in time, helps you then when you're going into these like job search processes that happen so early on. Or like if you're thinking about like, okay, like where do I start with the career search process? What am I interested in doing? Because quite frankly, not everyone wants to follow the same Mm-hmm. Path as like a lot of the women I interviewed where they're like, okay, I'm gonna do a startup straight and and take that risk. Because like that's obviously not the only way to success. There's so many different pathways. Um, but it kind of takes this like moment of self-reflection and thinking of like what do I truly enjoy doing? What is truly something that makes me happy? And then going from there and just connecting with people, networking with people, looking at female female mentors that can steer you in the right direction or that may have faced similar questions or issues that you had in the past and having them to guide you. So um, it's also a common theme that I talk
1: about. I love that you say that. And everything you just said, like I began to really reflect on like my own experience. And I love that you use the word, take a step back because I've said this before. And I really think a lot that like being able to find a passion and that's such a broad thing and such a scary thing because it seems like we're all like meant to have this one passion and eventually like you'll find it one day, it'll just click. And it's, that's not what happens. And like you said, it's like connecting your individual experiences. Like but you, that's funny that actually I bring that up because then we can transition to this. Um, right. You had internship experiences in both investment banking and sales and trading, and now you work in sales and trading. Yes. So can you talk a little bit about both of those experiences and what, what led you to what you're doing now?
0: Yeah, of course. So um, to give background, I worked in investment banking um, my sophomore summer and um, then shifted to sales and trading my junior summer. And quite frankly, um, when I went into investment banking, my sophomore summer, um, I after ha- sophomore summer was the first summer that like we were really presented with opportunities as college students to um, have like corporate internships or have the opportunity to see what you're interested in. And um, what I wanted is I wanted a very fast paced environment where I could learn a lot in just like a short period and just build upon my interests, build upon like the financial services industry and just learn more about how companies work. It's all I wanted to do. I wanted to learn more about how companies work. I wanted to learn about just the processes of like what's happening in in an initial public offering, what's happening in like a merger, what's happening in acquisition. And um, I just loved learning about like the corporate space company news. Um, So I was super thrilled to have... Um, gotten in investment making early, like early on in my college career. And I had a phenomenal experience during the internship, but as I kind of took a step back, I realized that, um, as we were talking about earlier, sometimes you have to take a step back and see like, what, what is, what mm-hmm. do I truly enjoy doing? What is my, what is my, like, what do I, what do I like? What am I, what do I want to combine? And, I was like I love finance I love learning about the corporate space and what's happening with different companies but at the same time I like was like a news junkie I like always had like all of these um all of the like all of the channels up at like CSEC I love like listening at the end of the day what's going on it was super nerdy but like I love learning about the markets and like having like like my own like kind of, like, trading account, like, was something super mm-hmm. cool that, like,
1: I loved early and on. And the Morning Brew Ambassador, that's so oh, cool. Oh, yes,
0: exactly. And I and I just, I love learning about, like, the markets and how, like, the, the fast pace of, of, especially, like, foreign exchange and just, like, how interconnected the world is from, like, a financial market space. So, like, after kind of, like, self-reflecting on that, I realized that I definitely wanted to stay in financial services industry, but that, sales and trading um, was a better fit for me. Mm-hmm. So that's how I made the transition from investment banking to sales and trading. And um, and I was like, like luckily able to get a return offer and am not working in sales and trading full time. But um, something that like confirmed my interest is that like over my sales and trading summer internship, I had the opportunity to like network with a lot of people, learn directly about like, how a company was doing during COVID-19 and just analyzing the stock market from that perspective, but then also looking a little bit deeper into the foreign exchange market. And that also helped tie in a lot of what I learned in public policy classes and understanding how like monetary policy inevitably impacts the markets. And I felt like there's such a deep connection with what I enjoyed learning in school, with what I was exposed to and analyzing on a day-to-day basis, that it just felt all into place and just like, it was just such a great fit for everything. So while I like learned a a tremendous amount of information um, in my investment banking internship, I felt like um, sales and trading was a better fit for me and combining a lot of my individual passions and interests together. So that's kind of how that transition went, but it was just like, it was just so phenomenal having had the exposure to like, like now, I think people are like 20, 21, 22, able to work with some of the smartest people of the world, just like on a day-to-day basis. And it's just so crazy to think about that. We're so young, but have these opportunities presented to us. And that's part of the reason that like, it also has to do with taking risks because a lot of people early on are like, that seems really scary. Like going into an environment where you, you don't know, well, you're at like, you're at the very bottom of the totem pole. You don't really know much about how the system works. You haven't been working at all in your entire life. And then you're going into like an internship or you're going into a job, but taking those risks and saying, okay, I, I don't know a ton about how this works, or I don't know a ton about how this industry operates, but I'm going to give it my all. And I'm going to go in with the energy and passion to learn every single day. Mm-hmm. And I think that's almost more important like than going in with a ton of baseline knowledge, if that makes sense. So
1: no, I agree with that time. completely. And yeah. I just want to put out there because I feel like this comes up a lot. And I think about this a lot, like why people are interested in what they're interested in because- right. It's, it's like really can not be random and you don't need to define a reason to it. Like when you were talking about the woman in your book who was interested in chemical engineering and then use that to help people in Africa access clean water, like that is a great goal and a great mission. And I was like sitting here thinking like, yes, like that is something that I'd hope everyone wants to do, but I just can't wrap my head around how she's interested in chemical engineering. Right. And I'm sure there's people listening to this who are like... How do these people think that financial markets are cool? Are cool. Yes. You don't need to validate your interests. And no. I think that's like an important point that like people get asked a lot, like why do you want to do this? Why are you interested in this? And obviously like our individual experiences, like somewhere subconsciously, like have all guided everyone in, in a path. And a lot of times that's out of your control, but I just want to put out there, like, you don't have to validate like why you're interested in what you're interested in, like whatever you're wow. interested in, like there's a community of other people who think that's super cool. And if you can connect into that and tap into that and leverage it and like, I don't know, just have conversations beyond the people at your disposal, which you did with the book, which I try and do it. It just helps you like value what you are already interested in so much more. And then it just spirals. So something that maybe you were like fringe interested in, it just takes one or two cool conversations. Maybe if I had those and put the effort in to do that with a chemical engineer, I'd be working with that woman in Africa. Right. And
0: I think a lot of it has to do with just like no one has it all figured out when they're Mm in college or when they're when they're like just being exposed to like different career paths or just like where like what you should do in life, that kind of thing. No one has it all figured out. It's like I was hearing these stories and it was like one of the women that um, Liz Warner from BuzzFeed, she was a creative producer at BuzzFeed, like something that steered her that in that direction, her and her friends were applying for jobs. And she was like at Wisconsin undergrad. And she was like, oh, these videos are funny that they're making. Or like, she was like, Oh, uh, when she got to Buzzfeed and she was like, one of the youngest people there. She like, she was like, Oh, that'd be really funny if you did like a road trip about like touring the different, the best cheeses of this, of this part of America. And it was just like a hilarious topic that ends up getting getting her viral giving her tons of hits and then gave her the kind of momentum to start a travel platform on mm-hmm. BuzzFeed and to become like super successful within BuzzFeed And you think about it you're like like you don't know it has to validate like what they're interested in or like what you're mentioning like why you like doing something like someone might think might have said to her like wow like you really think like you can be successful videotaping cheese and publishing on the internet. And then meanwhile, she gets like hundreds of thousands of hits. And it it ends up like being one of the like videos that helped jumpstart her career. And you think about it and it puts everything in, into perspective because so many people have these unique stories and like kind of back backdrops of just like little events that like that were super significant to them. And, and it kind of drives them in a direction, like something funny about that well, kind of tangent, but still a topic. Like in middle school, I remember someone told me, they're like, wow, Barbara, you love talking. Like you could talk for hours. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I really do like talking. Yeah. Like I'll talk a lot. And I, and I was like, and then like, as I went through high school and they like, I like continued, like continue. I was like, you know what? I talk a lot. That's true. Like, I love to hear myself talk. And then, but then it turns into like in college, loving interviewing people and like turning those interviews into a book. And you're like, wow, things that like happened early on and little passions and like things that you discover about yourself can ultimately go a long way. Because for some people, talking to themselves or like talking to a wall for hours is their worst nightmare they're completely introverted which is so fine like I have so many introvert friends like everyone is unique in their own way from that perspective but someone telling me like 10 years ago oh you'd love to talk don't you like you talk a lot can really just kind of influence the way you perceive yourself and then also like you might think to yourself oh wait you know what? I do like talking. Like, that's something I actually enjoy. And like something like videotaping cheese or like talking a lot or like loving chemical engineering. They're all just separate. Yeah. Not one is more prestigious than the other because you can find a way to, to mold those passions and just kind of turn it into something unique and, and fun. So just a little spiel on that.
1: Yeah. And I always joke around and say like, you can be anything you want as long as you own it. Exactly. <laughs> As long as you own it, like, you can do whatever you want. And I think that is, like, such a great place to wrap up unless there's anything else that, like, we missed that was really formative and important to you. But I think big takeaways, your passions are valid. Like, let your, don't feel forced into a box. Like, let things add up over time. Um, what, What are the takeaways for you?
0: Oh, 100%. Something
1: big that I've taken away is that, like,
0: As women who are, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is amazing just, like, speaking to someone that not only shares similar interests, but also, like, wants to share stories of women to an even greater community of people and just um, connect a lot of people together with, with similar interests, different interests all over. It just is so amazing seeing, like, going into, like, my takeaway, it's just so amazing seeing that despite people having so many different interests and passions, mm-hmm. women will always be like a network for each other and they we can serve as mentors for each other. And if you think about it, um one of the big topics I talk about in my book is how incredible mentorship networks are mm-hmm. and why we need to continue them. Because if you think about it, even though we are like in like I just graduated from college or still in college we can serve as mentors to the younger generation of high schoolers, of middle schoolers. But then at the same time, I have a ton of mentors who are older than me. And something that is helping women so much in society is having these mentorship networks. And I think that's incredibly important as we continue. So on top of having these networks, I think building your passions, like validating any passion that you want Mm -hmm. and anything that makes you happy is incredibly important and then also just kind of like acknowledging that some days you're not you're going to feel like you don't have it all together or that you don't really know what you want to do next or like whether or not something is right for you. Every single person that I spoke with in my book experienced some kind of like like obstacles or issues down the down the road. Not everyone has this like perfect pathway that they feel like is the best way to reach success. And like success is not even definable. There's not really a way to even define it. You're doing something that brings you happiness and that you're extremely passionate about and that you can use to connect people together. It is going to benefit society. It is going to like make an impact. And that's honestly what it's all about. So that was my little spiel of everything we've been talking about. (laughs) No,
1: That's perfect. There's no other way I'd want to end my night. No other way I want to end this episode.